Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Witch and Goddess. I'm so grateful for all of you listening. Thank you. Stay tuned at the end of the episode. I have a very big announcement I can't wait for you to hear. Today's topic is related to a type of question that comes up very frequently in my magic classes and groups. In fact, while I was preparing this episode, I received another question about it, so I thought I should hurry up and get this out there. Our topic is offerings, and really there are a lot of very valid questions surrounding this practice. I think it's really important, so I'm going to try to clear up some of the mystery around why and how to make offerings. It's a huge conversation, and while our main focus here is the practice of making offerings to a god or goddess you work with magically, I'm going to touch on other types of offerings for comparison and clarification. I've been digging into old texts about a fascinating ancient goddess. Spoiler, it's Ereshkigal. I thought it was really interesting that the oldest written mention of her listed the offerings given to her and other gods by a Sumerian king upon his entrance to the underworld after his death. It says she was offered a vessel filled with oil and a queenly robe, among other things. I think it really emphasizes the importance that offerings have long played in the relationships between humans and the divine. Votive offerings have long been a sign that a divinity had a temple and or was worshipped as a god or goddess. Votive offerings, or deposits, are objects displayed or deposited with no intention to recover them in a sacred place or a temple. It was literally a physical gift to the gods. Unlike food and drink, votive offerings remained in these sacred places, and archaeologists have been able to learn a lot about the ancient worship of deities through their study. Unlike sacrifice, where something was actually destroyed, like by burning, votive offerings were left in the temples intact. Greek and Roman temples actually served as storage for these offerings, and even the temples were an offering, dedicated by communities to a favorite divinity. Ancient votive offerings may have been quite transactional in nature. If I give you this, then you ensure the safe birth of a son. Or, if my harvest is good, then I'll give you this. These days, although traditions and cultures can vary greatly, a lot of magical and spiritual people think of their offerings as expressions of respect, admiration, devotion, love, and gratitude. I certainly don't think of my offerings as bribes or as payments. It makes me think of a small child and a parent. We give them so much. We are everything to them, providing shelter, nourishment, care. And every once in a while, they come toddling across the yard with a dandelion plucked just for us. A little smile, just hoping that we will be pleased with this gift, this offer. I don't need that dandelion. I didn't wake up that morning thinking, you know what I want? I want a little yellow flower, but I treasure it. I treasure every little thing my child gives me out of love and the desire to see me pleased. Now, I'm not saying that all gods love us like children. 
or that they are all benevolent and sappy like me. They're not, but you may find this example relates to some of your spirit relationships. Are offerings required? I wouldn't say that offerings are technically required of any god or goddess, but in my experience, you're not going to get very far with any spirit without them. I think of my relationship with most spirits as one of equals, working cooperatively. Like all healthy relationships, it is a give and take. Offerings are simply the most effective method that humans have found to give to spirit. When it comes to ancestor reverence, common with hoodoo practitioners, for example, offerings are viewed differently. They are a critical and very involved part of some traditions. Are offerings just bribes? Some practitioners may see their offerings as bribes. I find that sad. I see them as opportunities to connect more tangibly with the divinity that I adore. I see them as portals through which an ineffable spirit may feel my respect and devotion. I also see them as fun expressions of friendship. How often are you shopping? And you happen to see an item and know that a certain friend, coworker, or family member would appreciate it. Or maybe you pick up a coffee for your hairstylist before heading to your appointment. These are relatively small, physical gestures that can represent big ideas and feelings, like care, attention, affection, gratitude, partnership. And these gestures initiate and maintain warm feelings and connection. Connection. For me, that is the main benefit of regular offerings. A really good question is, what would a deity even do with our physical offerings? Why would they want that? According to one of my favorite sorcerers, Jason Miller, most spirits feed on the subtle essence of the offerings we give, rather than the physical substance. Some magical people say that they can even tell when a liquid offering or food has been consumed by the intended recipient. No, you're probably not going to see a bite mark taken out of the bread or apple you left. If you do, please let me know. But trust that they have somehow taken nourishment or value from your effort. Offerings may even be a form of personal protection. We live in a world inhabited by all sorts of spirits and so-called small gods, and they were here long before us. The everyday lifestyle of modern humans can cause spirits of place, etc., to be annoyed or even angered with us. Not that we need to be fixated on or paranoid about angering unknown spirits, but have you ever started a new job and unknowingly broken some weird community rule they have and had people annoyed or even mad at you? Jason Miller recommends a regular practice of offerings to a whole host of spirits, including spirits you may not personally know or work with, as a pacifying and peacekeeping method, almost like preemptive good neighbor behavior in addition to soothing strife or tension that may arise from working and living in close proximity to certain spirits, these offerings may actually entice spirits to protect you and yours or assist in your magic. So far, we've discussed the general idea of offerings, and I'm sure some of you want to know, what can I give my goddess? Well, things like milk, wine, breads, and herbs, they're almost always appropriate for any deity or things that were precious at the height of their worship, like oil, salt, perfumes, incense. 
Think about taking the time to purchase a special incense just for that deity. If a certain fragrance or flower is featured in their mythology, you could find that scent. And it might seem overly simple, but a lot of goddesses like fresh water. I like to have a devoted water glass or goblet at the shrine and refill the water every other day. Some people do fresh water daily. Just please don't allow liquids to grow mold or mildew. Of course, divinities are just as varied in their desires and quirks as humans. There are some gods who are known to have specific offerings they do not like, and you'd best not give them that. One example, Oshun, is known as a sweet and loving goddess who adores honey, but it is said that you absolutely must taste the honey before you offer it to her. Generally, with other spirits, it's considered quite rude to eat or drink from what you offer them. The best way to know what to offer? Ask them. Ask them often. Then listen and watch. Watch the images in your mind's eye when you're in meditation with that spirit. Pay attention to any sudden knowing that you get. Listen to your inner knowing and their voice. Asking these questions and then listening for that answer is a wonderful way to get to know their energy and nurture, the word of the day, connection. Offering practices really vary between different cultures and traditions and the intended recipient. Some gods have specific and more demanding expectations of offerings, and others seem much less interested in them. I will say that even the goddesses who are traditionally less demanding really appreciate them. When I up my offering game, I see big rewards in the amount of connection I experience and increased intimacy with that goddess. Ancestors traditionally appreciate a meal from your table, and they often ask their descendants for specific offerings. They also appreciate their favorite drinks or the brand of cigarettes that they smoked in life, or even a spritz of their signature perfume. Prepare something that was a traditional holiday meal in your family. Include small servings of each dish and put the plate on your ancestral altar. There are alternative offerings. I think of offerings not only as a physical thing that I can place at the shrine, although there are probably those who disagree. I consider our action, our focused attention, to be essential acts. Things like service work in an area of that deity's concern. For example, Artemis is fiercely protective of women and their bodies. Donating time or resources to an organization that benefits sexual assault survivors could be dedicated to her. Create in their honor. Write a poem, paint or draw, anything creative, even lighting a bit of incense or a candle and spending a few moments in contemplation. Demelza Fox of Rockstar Priestess taught me the benefits of singing and dancing as an offering. And no, you don't have to be particularly gifted at either. Is there a playlist devoted to them? Put your phone right by the shrine and play it for them while you sink into connection. Think of the five love languages for inspiration. Are you familiar? Acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, receiving gifts, and physical touch. This is really applicable and helpful for thinking about offerings. Commonly, we give physical gifts, but there are other options. I think you should try to learn what a goddess's main love language is and use that as inspiration for future offerings. Also, on the days or times when physical offerings aren't convenient, you could use the other love languages to fill in. 
in the vein of words of affirmation. Many saints and demons ask for public recognition of their deeds by name. Strange, huh? Saints and demons wanting the same thing. It's almost as if demons are just a different type of spirit. That's a topic for another day. Anyway, I think our magic-friendly social media spaces are great places to give public recognition. Sometimes the service of a spirit asks for is to spread the good word. Excuse me, ma'am. Have you heard the good news of the witch mother Hikate? No, please don't go door to door. I ran an Instagram account solely honoring Morgan Le Fay for a while. <laughs> it has been completely inactive since she assigned me to this podcast, but I don't think she's mad. And what's that? Some of you want to know how we can offer physical touch to a god. <laughs> and others listening already know. Again, that's a topic for another episode. Another alternative idea is that of an energetic offering. Jason Miller explains a wonderful offering ritual in his book, Protection and Reversal Magic, through which you use incense to support your visualization of whatever form of offering would be most appropriate. I've got to say, even if you don't think that protection magic is a priority for you, I think every witch should have this book. It's full of smart, practical, magical information and insight. So, how do you make an offering? You can create a small ritual. Light a candle or incense dedicated to them, place the offering on the shrine and altar, and then express that this is for them and that you hope that they are pleased. And then thank them for your presence, for their presence in your life, for their presence in your practice, etc. Personally, I have a formal ritual for making offerings to Hakate, but for day-to-day -day offerings for Morgana, my ancestors, for the spirits of place around my home, I really just spend a few moments in quiet contemplation. I may even say a few words praising my favorite aspects and then present the offering with sincerity. When it comes to food, a good rule is to offer it in the way that you would plate it for a guest in your home. If it's bread, slice it and butter it. If it's a special candy, unwrap it for them. Etiquette with the gods is crucial. Less important than making the perfect offering, I think, is approaching with an attitude of respect and gratitude. And it may seem like a difficult balance, but I find that they appreciate recognition of their strengths and positive aspects, and at the same time, respect you when you approach them as an equal. Not better than them, but as strong, capable, and worthy in your own right. Never grovel, witches. Be mindful of the ways in which they help you and show up for you. Thank them for these things. If you have neglected your deities, you may want to make a special offering and explain your absence. Let them know that you still value the relationship. Disposing of offerings depends on the actual offerings in your location. Foods that won't be harmful to local wildlife can be placed outside after a day or as soon as they show signs of diminished freshness. Never leave offerings to rot on the altar. And some witches burn their offerings, as it's said that spirits can take nourishment from the smoke. Some choose to bury them. Physical offerings, like crystals and art, might remain on the shrine or be buried. I think it's bad form to take back an offering. In fact, and I apologize because I have no idea where I learned this, it's sometimes said that 
Hecate considers any plate or vessel on which you make an offering hers. So maybe have a plate and goblet devoted to her. You can also tell the spirits that you will be disposing of the offering soon, before taking it from the shrine, and then dispose of it as you would any other leftovers. I hope this answers some questions around the practice of offerings. If I've left anything out, let me know. Now, for that announcement I promised earlier. Goddess connection and empowerment of magical people and witches are my passions. I love hearing from listeners. I love answering questions and so on. But interactive teaching and mentoring are my purpose. I want to be able to connect with you all and interact as a community. Today, June 10th, is the launch of the official Witch and Goddess Coven. The Coven is a Facebook-based, goddess-driven, magical community specifically for defiant, badass, rebel witches who also happen to be enchanted by goddesses. In the Witch and Goddess Coven, we are embracing our edges, our too-muchness. We are exploring and integrating shadows, and we are healing and stepping into our fullest, most magically imperfect and powerful selves with goddess connection and lessons. Each month, we'll explore a different theme of potential transformation, healing, and empowerment. And these themes are demonstrated and supported by goddesses. Some we know, and some you may not have met yet. Membership includes access to the private Facebook coven, monthly coven circles via Zoom, monthly goddess-themed lessons and spells, monthly guided meditation, and other bonuses. I've got a special coupon for listeners who sign up during this limited launch period. Use the code WAGCOVEN33 and receive $11 off the price of the subscription every month. Yes, that's $11 off your subscription for as long as you're a member. That makes it $33 a month to experience goddess connection, self-transformation, tight magical community, monthly coven circles, and more. Of course, you can cancel the subscription anytime you want. I really look forward to connecting with you in this magical and supportive community. You can find the link to become a founding member in the show notes and on Instagram at Witch and Goddess Pod. I'll have it in the bio and on some posts. Info will also be available soon at blackbirdmagic.com. If you'd like to work with me, you can find out about one-on-one sessions and my group courses at blackbirdmagic.com. That's magic with a CK. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Witch and Goddess Pod. I love emails and messages, so let me know about your goddess experiences at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com or by leaving a recorded message on the Witch and Goddess page at anchor.fm. Just FYI, if you want me to respond to a recorded message on Anchor, you need to leave an email address. If you like the show, subscribe or follow and tell your coven. As always, thank you for listening. May you realize the goddess within and express her without.